Well, perfect. Um, now's a chance for me to, to speak to you. I guys get, get this privilege every two years. Um, and so I was, I was really worried uh, last night, like I said, we um, had our kickback reunion yesterday. So we had about two and a half to three hours of playing uh, bubble soccer where you guys have seen that video. We're just running to each other full speed. And me being the high school guy, every student was trying to hit me. Um, so I was worried about even getting up these stairs to get on stage uh, this morning. Again, my mind's telling me I can do it, but my body is definitely in pain. And Stephanie had me staining the deck all yesterday morning too. So if I sit down at any point, um, just bear with me. Uh, so this year has been a very special year for me. Uh, this class, the class of 2015, has been through a lot with Stephanie and I. Um, when we came to the church, they were in seventh grade. When we took over the junior high ministry, and um, I've told myself I'm not going to cry, but that's just probably going to happen. I ha- almost couldn't even get here this morning thinking about it. Um, so uh, we've seen them graduate middle school. We've seen them graduate high school. We've traveled the world with a lot of these uh, students. We spent nights on the Mission Solano bus with them. We spent nights on the asphalt with them. Um, we spent a lot of summers and winters at Hume Lake with them, seeing their lives transformed. I told myself I wasn't going to do this. Uh, they were the first people other than our families to know that we were adopting. Because we just feel like they're part of our families. So I can remember being in that room, um, sharing with them. We have it on video. I was going to play it for you guys, but I was even worse than this, watching the video at home. Um, just really part of our families. 21 days, we're in country, you know, in Africa. We come down off the elevator, land on the airport, they're there. Um, Last year at Kickback, we're going all this stuff, we have church time. You know, we told them, we've told Stephanie's parents, we told my parents, they're the third to know. Stephanie's pregnant with Charlotte. Again, they're there the day that we bring her home. Just such big parts of our lives. They've always been there. This was the group that transferred up to high school ministry with me. So we started with them in seventh grade. We've had them every single year. Uh, They've always been our leaders. And so hopefully that's the end of my crying. So when Scotty Reynolds, the worship leader, and I... um, sat down at the beginning of the school year asking each other, what do we want these students to go off to college with? So many, so many images were going through my mind. Um, As I was going through pictures, like I was telling some of the guys, I had this whole slideshow that I wanted to show you guys, but I just couldn't even look at it myself. I've seen Taylor, who's leading you guys in worship, like, as tall as the stage, you know? And what's the last thing I want to tell them? And we talked about it for a long time, a long, long time. And we finally came up with this conclusion that we just want them to be on fire for Christ. Um, Throughout all of high life, we've always had this theme of oikos. It's a Greek word um, that means extended household. And we view that as your eight to 15 people that God has strategically and supernaturally placed in your life for you to share the gospel with. That's kind of always been our overarching theme. That's something that we wanted to pour into them. Um, They can say that little line 
without even, if I was at High Life, I would have stopped halfway through and they would have finished it. We've ingrained that into them. And what I'll say is that they've taken that and ran with it. Uh, this is part of the group that was really the grassroots effort for getting City Hope started. Um, they live that out. They live the gospel out. Um, I wanted to push them even further. Scotty and I wanted to push them even further. And, and so um, <clears throat> oftentimes Christianity today is, is watered down or we hide our Christianity. We don't want to offend anybody. So this idea of being on fire for Christ is something that we just wanted them to do. We wanted them to go into their schools and not be ashamed of the gospel, not to be ashamed that they were a Christian, um, to not just come into youth group on Thursday and, and come into church on Sunday and be like, okay, now I'm a Christian. And I'm still a Christian at school, but I'm kind of this like tamed down version of Christianity because I don't want to offend anybody. Um, that's such something we want to do. We wanted to send them off as world changers. And I can tell you, I think that that's going to happen um, apart from anything I've done or any of the staff done, just the Lord really working um, in their lives. <clears throat> so a sermon that I heard very early on as I was kind of researching this topic, this theme of, of trying to keep students on fire post high school, you guys know the statistics, that just doesn't happen. There's a huge drop off um, at this point already um, before the kids even get to their freshman year, before they step one foot onto campus, students step away from the faith, step away from the youth group. Um, I heard this sermon, and it said this. Uh, there was a town atheist. He wasn't a bad man. He just didn't believe. Uh, he wasn't interested in church at all. There was only one church in the area. It was a dead um, and cold social club. Uh, no decisions were being made there. One day, that church in that community <coughs> got caught on fire. The whole town, the whole community goes running towards this church, even the town atheist. Some smart aleck in the crowd as they're running says, whoa, I've never seen you running to church before. And the town atheist responds back, well, I've never seen a church on fire before. And, and uh, that has been my prayer um, for these high school students is that um, in Fairfield, we, there's my next page right there. <laughs> Very good. Um, that the students of High Life, um, that their friends can say that they've never seen a church on fire because they know of Parkway Community Church because they know of High Life and they know that the students who come to this church and who come to this youth group live it out 365, 24-7. That was the prayer. Um, because I think most of us have had a sad experience of going to a cold church. We walk in, and it's just not what we want it to be. It's very dead. There's no fire. Um, the people stand and sing, and we could tell they're just going through the motions. Um, it's obvious that the heart is not in it, right? The ushers, the greeters, the Sunday school teachers, the nursery, um, it's all just going through the motions. Even the fact of, like, standing up and shaking hands it just becomes another Sunday morning. We're just going, just going through the motions. The very end, the pastor gives the, the invitation. <clears throat> if anyone, you know, doesn't know Christ, would like to stand on up. We know that's just a three-minute time filler because the church is dead and, and no one's going to stand up. No, no new people, um, you know, come to, come to Christ at a church like that. Uh, Jesus threatens to remove the candlestick of the church of Ephesus 
um, in Revelations 2 if they don't repent from their actions that are similar to this. And they'd only been a church for about 30 years at that time. They had already stopped. See, a church that focuses on what it used to be um, usually aren't, and they're never going to be. Um, coming into Parkway, coming into the youth group, I constantly heard um, we have the privilege of having a lot of staff that have grown up in the youth group, have grown up in the church, and we hear the lines like, oh, did you hear what Parkway used to be? Do you know what it used to be? Back in the 80s, it was this. Back in the 90s, it was this. My wife grew up in this youth group. And that's stuff I didn't want us to focus about. I wanted to know what the church could be and what it will be and what it would be with the students we have today, not living in the past. Because there's good and bad at looking back, but oftentimes it ruins the presence and destroys the future. When we look back, um, we got to be looking forward. Some of the high schoolers, as we went through this series of trying to get them on fire, would say, you know what we need? We need new people to come to the youth group, Justin, and we need them to be on fire for Christ. Then there'll be some energy in the room, and then we can do that. Um, that's just not the case. Um, the question I ask them is, do you think God can entrust us right now with new believers, with new, con- new converts? Um, Charles Spurgeon, much wiser than me, said this, to put new converts into most of the churches is like putting live chicks under a dead hen. It's just not going to work. In Genesis uh, 22, God told Abraham to take his son Isaac up to the mountain um, where he'd become a human sacrifice. They arrived at the location, and Isaac still didn't know that he was going to be that human sacrifice, but he knew that there needed to be three things uh, to make a sacrifice. The wood, the fire, and the lamb. Isaac made this observation finally in verse 7 when he spoke, and he said, Father... And his dad said, yeah, here are my son. He said, look, we have the fire, we have the wood, but where is the lamb? I mean, where is the, the burnt offering? You know, the lamb for the burnt offering. 4,000 years later, we're asking that same exact question. We look at most of the churches around us. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can ask that about the church here at Parkway today. Um, we have the wood. We have the cross of Calvary. That's there. We have the lamb, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, um, but where is the fire? Are we just going through that motion of church, walking every Sunday, going to youth group, going to Sunday school? Um, Are we running out of the fuel? I said, I grew up in the church. I know it's just Sunday morning. I tuck in my shirt. I tie my shoes and I go. I do that routine and then it's over. For you guys at 11, for next service, 1230. Then church, Christianity is put on its shelf until I go to a Bible study or I turn on Caleb and I'm back to be a Christian. Um, a scary, scary statistics is it takes 40 Christians on average one year to win one person for Christ. 40 people to save one person in the duration of one year. So if we could control the world's population and all the Bible-believing churches in the world today, continue to convert people at that rate, it would take us 4,000 years to win the world for Christ. That's with no one dying, no one entering, and no new babies being born. Um, So that's the bad part about it, right? Um, But what are some characteristics of a church that is on fire and living for Christ? Luckily, we have this awesome church in Acts 4 that we can look at um, as a great example. 
And we see that a church that's on fire for Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, in verse 8, we see, then Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, they said. So the pastor has to be filled with the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. I get the privilege of being with Dan a lot. I can say that's accurate. We have that. We have a pastor who's filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 31, it says, And then they prayed, and the place that they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So they had people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. I think we got that. I think we got that. But I think where we might be missing is speaking the word with boldness. Um, Why are most of us afraid to witness, to share the gospel? Um, When this group of high school students approached me and said, hey, we want to start City Hope. I said, okay, you know, what is that? We just want to love the people around us, Justin. We live around, uh, you know, our churches around these apartments. We just want to love them. We want to go door to door with them and just pray for them. I'm like, well, that kind of sounds scary. Um, I'm okay standing up here talking to you guys, but a one-on-one at someone's door I don't know, that sounds scary. Not for these students. Their foundation has been shaken. They knew, right? Um, But see, they had prayed. They had prayed about City Hope before they ever approached me. And so they were burdened by it. Um, And that would be my challenge. If you guys are are scared or nervous about witnessing, pray. Pray about it. Your foundation will be shaken. And then you can't do anything else. you got to go do it. When your foundation's been shaken, fear doesn't even play a factor anymore. you got to go. See, we need power to fulfill God's purpose in our life, but we need God's power. No other substitute power. Uh, will work. Uh, I have this little saying that I talk with the high school students a lot about Christianity light. Um, We like a lot of stuff light. We want a a Pepsi, but we want it, you know, Pepsi Max. We want it to taste like the real thing, but we don't actually want the sugar, the high fructose corn syrup, you know, same thing. Everything in in our culture today is, here's what it really is, and I want the reduced fat version of it. Right? And we do that with our Christianity. Okay? We're not going to, like, you know, believe in the miracles that happened, you know, back in the Bible because that might scare somebody uh, sitting next to us. We're just going to do Christianity light. Um, we're not going to live life on mission for God like he tells us to be in his ambassadors because that might offend somebody. We're not going to stand up in a world where we see sin all around us. Uh, we're just, we can't be intolerant to it because then they might be offended and we might be bigots. Right? Um, so we just offer this Christianity light. And so that's something I constantly, um, you know, challenge the high school students with is throw away that Christianity light. Like we are called to be ambassadors of Christ, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, unashamedly, unequivocal. The Bible is the Bible. It's, it's active today as it was when it was written. Right? It's not going to change. Times will change, but, but the word will, will not Uh, We cannot accept a substitute. We must rely on God's power and God's power alone. Uh, We cannot depend on man's made excitement to get the job done. I'll tell you guys, you guys go to a church that has great programming. We're getting the lighting down. You guys have awesome seating assignments. Dan has way cooler slideshows than I do. Um, but, But that's all for naught. It's all great. 
but all for naught if the power is not here. The presence of the Holy Spirit is not here like we were singing early on, right? Um, even worship. Repetitive, full of fluff, worship courses, courses might stir something inside your guys' heart, um, might get you to an emotional high, but it's absolutely nothing if the Spirit's not there. It's absolutely nothing. Um, I don't care how high you're jumping, how high you're raising your hands, how loud you're singing, um, how many fancy notes you're singing. Nothing, nothing will take place of the real Holy Spirit in your life singing through you at all. First uh, Corinthians 2, 4 through 5, Paul says this, My preaching and my speech were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power that your faith should not come from wisdom of men, but of the power of God. Basically what Paul's saying is, I'm not depending on my own wisdom, on my own flamboyant words or sermons, my tear-jerking illustrations, my funny stories, although those don't hurt unless they're being replaced for God. He's saying, I'm solely going on God. Charles Finley, he was a great revivalist in the 1700s, talked about a church in a certain town. Uh, this church's fire had completely, completely gone out. Uh, no one was saved, and even worse, no one cared about it. Just a dead church. Fully going through the motions. Sunday, every Sunday, just going through that. It was a dead church, but one person cared. One person cared. Your assumption would be that would be the pastor. It wasn't. He was just going through the motions. It was a blacksmith. Um, he had a little bit of a stutter. Pretty difficult to listen to. Wasn't a very well-spoken man, but he had a heart to God. And he wanted to experience a revival in his church. He wanted to experience that fire again. He was so burdened for this fire and this desire that one day he was like, I'm done. Blacksmithing is done. I'm closing my shop. And he went home and he said, I'm just going to pray. He fell on his hands and knees and prayed, Lord, revival in my church, Lord. Make the fire come back, Lord. Let us be that church. He was so burdened by this. The next day, he, he went to the pastor and he said, you know, I've been praying for revival um, and God to rekindle the flames here around us. Can we have some sort of meeting, prayer revival, worship something, you know, tomorrow night? The pastor's like, yeah, sure. Like, just to warn you, like, Mr. Blacksmith, no one's going to come. You're going to get, you know, your heart broken. Um, well, that meeting happened, and to the pastor's surprise, the building was full, left to right, front to back, completely full. The pastor gets up, and he starts to preach, and it's different. He's, he's like, this is just a different, you know, he was just doing these sermons weekly that were just kind of like dead space fillers. Like, this is different. This is different. That, uh, that little revival, dozens of people were saved, and that church's fire was reignited. And um, it wasn't because of the methods or the programs, the activities or organization that happened that night. It, was because, it wasn't because they had a youth pastor or a really cool slideshow, an awesome worship band, City Hope, you know, the tutoring center, none of that. It was because one man spent time on his hands and knees. Um, back to verse 31, it says, then they prayed. It's only after they prayed that that power was released. So a challenge that I challenge those students with is are you guys praying for your church? Are you praying for your youth group? 
for that power to be released in you and in that group. See, when God is working and decisions are being made, you can mark it down and take it to the bank that someone's paid the price. Someone's knees are bruised because they've been on their knees. They've been on their hands and knees praying. That's just a matter of a fact. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, and when people are filled with that Holy Spirit power, uh, souls will be saved. We see in Jerusalem at least 8,000 um, souls were saved during the uh, time of Acts. Uh, worship services will be inspired. The music will be uplifting. Ephesians uh, 5, 18 through 19 says, They'll be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies in your hearts to the Lord. Man, could we add some life to our music? we got to be filled with the Spirit. See, we can hire an awesome worship pastor like we did. Uh, we can fix the sound system. We can do all these instruments. We can even put a huge choir up here. But until we, the people in the pews, are filled with the power, it's all for naught. Right? we got to be filled with that power. Um, and like I said, it's no matter um, what's happening in my life, like, when, when I know I'm filled with the Spirit, like, I can't wait to come in or sing. And any high school student, my wife, will tell you, I can't sing at all. Um, I can't carry a tune. And when I was in high school, I tried out for uh, the choir, and my teacher told me I had a singing disability, which <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. But I know when I'm filled with the Spirit, I can't wait to sing the next song. I can't wait if anyone, I don't care if anyone around me can hear me. I just want to sing praises to the one who died for me. The last thing, the last characteristic of a church that is on fire, and I think this might be the one we're missing the most, is that divine wisdom will accompany all of the church's decisions. See, when the pastor and the people are filled with power, there's no one sitting around. Uh, there's no one looking, waiting for someone to come tell them what to do. Everyone's up looking like, what can I do? Can I get plugged in here? Can I do this? I just need to do this because they're so filled with the Spirit Val is turning down Sunday school teachers because it's just overflowing because we're just, we're so excited. The youth ministries have, everyone, the tutoring center has all these volunteers. Uh, that's an area where we're lacking it. Um, you guys are great if someone comes and asks, hey, will you get involved? Um, but we just have this like waiting um, thing. Um, and when we're all filled with the Spirit, it's like, I can't wait to do anything. I see everything as something that I'm doing unto the Lord who died for me. If I'm shaking hands in the lobby, if I'm passing out donuts, if I'm, you know, handing out snacks at the tutoring center, all that is going to usher somebody right into the, you know, the throne room of Christ to maybe make it eternally, <clears throat> a decision for eternity. Like Vince was sharing, um, some crazy things happen in youth ministry um, where you're just using bubble soccer's and running into each other for three hours. And then all of a sudden, right afterwards, a student wants to talk about salvation. No programming, no nothing. But just we were there, willing to be there. If we do this Christianity light, and we come and we go to Sunday morning, we leave with our heads down right back to our car. And then we drive into our driveway, and we open our garage door, and we get into our garage and close it so none of our neighbors can see us. We're never going to be in the right spot at the right time. Because we do everything to isolate ourselves from being at the right place at the right time. Now what happens, uh, and some of us have experienced this, I've experienced this. We can do good works apart from God's power. But what happens if that happens? We burn out. We burn out. Uh, that fire that once burned bright and high begins to, you know, to be a flickering flame. A little spark. 
um, and eventually it's completely snuffed out. It's completely gone. Um, but not only does burnout happen, just even serving God becomes a chore or even a burden. Like I said, just becoming to church becomes a burden. I've been there. Some of you guys might be there this morning. You know, it was 8.30 and it's easier to stay home. It's easier to stay home. I have stuff to do in the yard, baseball game later today, something. It just becomes a chore. If we do it in our own power, but if we are filled with the Holy Spirit power, I got to get there. I got to serve. I have the energy of the Spirit rather than the Spirit, you know, the energy of my own flesh. It's not me or you trying to make something happen. It's us allowing something to happen to us and through us even in spite of us. Just stepping back saying, I'm filled with the Spirit. Like the Lord's just going to use me. I'm just going to be there. I'm going to be faithful. Pastor, what can I do? How do you need help? What do you need? You need a nursery worker today? Awesome. I'm there. Cool. You know, whatever it is. Parking lot? Awesome. I'll walk in the parking lot. Just being there, right? See, that is a church that's on fire, is one that's filled with God's power. I'm going to ask the high school worship team uh, to come back up real quick because I want to kind of share one of our theme songs with you guys. Um, but with that, as this, this little candle was really powerful at High Life this year. This is a little um, thing we did at High Life. And I don't know if I was allowed to do it at High Life. I won't tell them some of the other things that I've done in High Life either, because then I could be fired. But this candle, some churches don't let you even have a candle uh, because it's dangerous. This one candle has the power um, to burn this place down. And that's why maybe the elders and Dan want me to have a fake candle up here, but the analogy's then lost. Um, this candle can burn this building down. And if the winds are right and the conditions are right, it could go into the apartments next to us, right? Just completely wipe out the tutoring center. Again, if the winds keep going, we're all, we're all the way up to Highway 80 now, right? Because it has a power. This one candle has a power. It's all about the conditions. One flame and the conditions around it. Fairfield's a, a dry area right now, and it's not because of the drought. The souls in Fairfield are dry. One person on fire for Christ, positioned next to some really dry people, and set this town ablaze. And then revival's happening in Fairfield. I can tell you the class of 2015 that's graduated and going off to college this next year has, has planted the seeds of revival in Fairfield. They've done the work. So I challenge you, Parkway Community Church, to take that and run with it. Take this light, this fire, back to your secular workplace, back to your neighborhoods. We thought Ebola was bad on the news. Can you imagine the stories that could happen in the Daily Republic? I don't know. Something about this church. They go somewhere, 
and people are just infected with this Christianity thing. They can't help to do it. Like, uh, you know, like bugs to fire. They're just attracted to it. But if we like cover it up, no one's going to see it. Right? And oftentimes if we cover up fire, what happens? And we live this Christianity light. I don't want to offend anybody. Like the flame's just going to keep going. It's just going to whittle, whittle down. And eventually we're nothing. Right? There it goes. Boom. And then we're what Christianity mostly is today. Just smoke. Right? Just nothing. We did it here. One thing I asked the high school students who always love to go to junior high and high school Hume Lake. They come back and say, man, Jesus moved up there, Justin. Taylor will remember this. We stop on the side of the freeway. Say, did you guys expect God to move at Hume Lake, California at winter and summer camp? Every student says, yes. Do we expect God to move in Fairfield, California at a nine o'clock service? Did we pray for this service? I don't know if we did. Because we're just going through the motions. So we're going to sing a song that's set a fire. And I want that to be our prayer, our anthem. We're going into this school year. Lord, set a fire. Make me contagious. As I go to my secular workplace, as I go, you know, to my neighborhoods, each of us take this candle back to our neighborhoods. We think the fires are bad right now. Let's light a fire ablaze for Christ. Will you guys join in singing this song?